evidence-based practitioner however uh, i would say that um i have to speak anecdotally here only because i haven't seen many uh research papers or studies like rcts or even epidemic why is that such a difficult word to say epidemiology epidemiological Uh, um yeah neither have i seen you could straight do. Do you want to set one up? Who's going to fund it? Mm. I think if you if somehow manage to get the rock on board, there'd be plenty of rocks on board, mate. Yeah, you wouldn't need much. You wouldn't need much funding because the women just do it. Okay, interesting. Um, I have started recording. I don't. I'm still debating on whether to 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 restart or to include this or not. Um, because <laughs> obviously if you're a listener right now you're thinking I when I said I started recording uh, it was like midway through so they actually haven't heard the bit about what we're referencing so you could could leave it in and just see how interesting the intro is but do you think there'll be any um, people mourning about it uh, probably but that's just the way of the world nowadays we live in a, a a soft society as you would probably put it where Many people are offended by many things to a point where you do get the impression a little bit that some people are out trying to find offence because life just isn't hard enough as it is. Life's a bit too easy, so they need to find some hardship somewhere. I think that's very, very true. People who whinge about a lot of things, like you do find certain people will be offended by every little thing. It's because their life is very easy, I would imagine. Like, I don't imagine if you've lived in Afghanistan for the last 20 years, you would be offended by facials. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, he did just say facials. (laughs) Although that could still mean many things, I think, even the term. Cleansing facial. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh... I don't even know where to go from there. Um, just, I, I think I preferred the the latter half of that topic about being offended or not, um, rather than the specifics of what to be offended by. Uh, in that, I I don't get it. As in, I, I they, you kind of help but can't feel a little bit that the whole social justice warrior movement and that type of left leaning progressive, which I would consider myself part of a left leaning progressive type political spectrum. Um, but that all that area, you do kind of feel like there is an element of extremism where people do find offence in anything and want to just like the whole cancel culture thing, the whole um, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it really. I'm not I'm not kind of well versed enough to kind of really articulate my thoughts around it particularly well. But I do get the impression that there are people that are finding offence, and I struggle to justify why, other than that theory or idea of that life is just too easy, as in like 30, 40, 50 years ago when. Life wasn't quite so easy. Perhaps just got, got over war, or um, perhaps more poverty, or famine, or just hundreds and thousands of years ago where life was a bit more difficult just to survive. 
Yeah, you're not you're not moaning about being called a particular word, or you're not moaned about. I don't know. Yeah, all these things. Insert whatever. I spoke to um, a paramedic once in work. We were doing some first day shit in work, and we end up ended up talking about the level of suicide attempts in the recent years. So I said, I said, I don't take this the wrong way. I said, because obviously he's dealt with people who've died from it. But I said, <clears throat> I find there's a lot of people that are generally depressed. And to me, depression is a serious illness. But I say, I also find a lot of people seem like they have just had a little bit of hardship in their life and they want to kill themselves. And he said, he said to me, it's absolutely right. He said he went to a call once. Someone was trying to commit suicide in the woods, failed. And the reasons for it were, I didn't get the job I wanted. And he's like, right. I think society's a little, it's a bit of a touchy subject, this is. However, people are a lot softer these days than they were before. And that's not saying mental health is a soft subject, because it is not. But, but I think proper depression is very different from, from being just being a bit sad. Hmm. I, th- I think if someone's legitimately tried to end their life, though, you've got to be in a bad space to, you know, kind of go through with it. Um, the whole the whole the topic itself is obviously not one for us to really discuss, but also very nuanced. In yeah, um, I I don't know where my thoughts are with it. If I'm honest, that type of thing. I do think there's a there's a, there is a bit of a lack of resilience or resilience. Maybe that's the right word. Resilience in 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 a lot of individuals nowadays. But I think that is just part of our very easy, luxurious lifestyles that we tend to have in the Western world. You know, I'm talking relatively speaking here, um, from my own perspective, my own lens, not, obviously there's people out there that live in the Western world that obviously are, have a lot of hardship and do have severe issues, Ill, mental illnesses, etc. but, yeah. Exactly, because obviously when I was, when we were young, a bit older than me, you know, but you know, good few years older. But, I know it's easy to say, but like when you were, you just didn't hear of it. Of teenagers even attempting it. Mm. How 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 much is that? Is more lines of communication nowadays than what would have been? Yeah, could very could very well be in it. But with the amount that goes on these days, you would have had you would have had more than likely had something in school, wouldn't you? Mm. I think. Well, randomly, Jonathan, I did. So, oh. um, yeah, which was remember at the time pretty brutal to hear, um, especially when I think I th- like I don't know if I should really speak about the details, but. Um, Basically, someone uh, hung themselves in a park. It was a lad in my school. Um, very troubled lad. Uh, troubled family, I think. And I think his mum found him walking the dog out looking for him because obviously he didn't come home. Obviously, it's pretty rough, isn't it? But... That's what I mean, but it's, you know, depression is a serious thing, isn't it? And if it's not sorted out, it can, it can lead to that. How much of that now do you think is due to the fact that Kids, and I'm talking teenagers, because they are kids, are immature in the head, 
not quite fully sure of themselves in life, but yet are allowed access to social media, which is, it's not unregulated, but the regulation is very, very slight. And because they're not aware of themselves, they think that, oh, look, everybody in life is doing great. Look, this guy, he's 19, he's got a Ferrari. And they think, oh, my life is shit. I may as well just freaking be depressed about it. And that's it. How much of that do you think is to do with that these days? People with unrealistic expectations looking at people who haven't really got the stuff they think they've got or the life they think they've got. Mm. I would never be able to put a number on it. Again, just not knowing enough about the area. But um, without without a doubt, there's an element involved in terms of comparison. Social media having to be play a big part. Obviously, the chat we had with Georgia uh, kind of aligns to that side, same type of premise. The conversations we've done, I think, with Dan Osman, um, well, literally years ago now, I would imagine. That must have been at least one, maybe two, well, over one year, possibly nearly two years ago, talking about the effects of social media. I think... They definitely play a part in comparison and just people's uh, personalities and personality traits, I suppose, in terms of whether they can then deal with the fact that their lives may not be what they see other people's lives are. And obviously you have this kind of this idea of social comparison and just feeling inferior all the time and life's not worth living. So it has to obviously play a part, no doubt. What a morbid listen- topic we've got to here, mate. Yes. I did listen to a guy called Simon Sinek. I'm not sure he does. But he was talking about, um, <clears throat> what, he ta- what generation are you talking about? Millennials. He was actually pr- he was actually praising them, generally. Uh, but he did say, he said you've got kids in schools now, in some areas, that don't lose. Like, no matter how crap you do, you get a medal. So obviously they get, how much do they get? They get rewarded for doing nothing. And he said when they get in the workplace and they're told, fuck off. No, they can't process it because they've had it all. They've had it all their own way for all their life, and they're not prepared for the big bad world. And then when the big bad world goes, eh, eh, they're not happy. And he was saying a lot of a lot of the depression could be related to things like that. Yeah, I I don't I don't like things that they get at school where like football teams don't keep score nowadays because they want to remove the element of competition. I don't really particularly like that because um, I don't feel like that's a true reflection of how life works. And I think experience of uh, failure or loss or that type of stuff at a younger age where the consequences are zero are nil isn't a bad thing. But for some reason, obviously, it's now seen as that it's a problem. But that type of premise does I, I think. Again, it doesn't really teach this resilience that I think is a bit lacking in today's society with a lot of people. And that probably really undermines, not undermines, um, no, maybe undermines, I don't know. It, 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 basically, that might be really un, an unfair comment to make for a lot of situations and a lot of people where they do genuinely have severe mental illness or issues or those types of things. So I guess that doesn't apply to those individuals if if obviously no. you know those that do, absolutely not. But I think generally we could we are a bit of a soft soft um, species nowadays, and I think a, a bit more resilience could well would do a lot more for people than than it wouldn't if that makes sense. But, yes. But there we go. Like I said found ourselves on a very morbid topic. I uh, don't even know how that came about, but it was interesting, especially when we went from uh, facials to uh, suicide. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Only us. 
only us, my friend. It's a big that. jump. It is a big jump. Um, anything new happening in your life right now? Anything new? Uh, or is it just going to revert back to BJJ? Um, or, or, you know, bear in mind we've gone from facials to suicide to BJJ. I did, the last session I did, what, what day are we on? Just because due to my shift and when the glasses are, last one was Wednesday morning. And I had my first run in with black belt. Mm. And I had that, what, as in a roll, or what, yeah, what do you mean well, by running? Doing, um, yeah, seated guard. So two of you, it's only four, it's only six of us in the class. And they were all roughly much better than me. So two of you would sit down, and the rest would come over. You would, people on the floor would hold the guard, stop them passing, and they've got to get past the guard, side control, take it back, blah, blah, blah. And I'm a lot bigger than this guy. And you know what artist is just rolling. And his mouth is closed. He's not trying. And he just passed my guard like it's not in there. Hmm. I'm like, no, I'm trying you. Laughing. He's, yeah. just, he didn't say anything. Just laughed. He is uh, very, he couldn't have been 10 stone. Maybe 11 stone at, the, at most. But I didn't know he was a black belt. Laughed the class because he was very respectful. He wasn't, he obviously knew I wasn't very good. So he wasn't just smashing around me. He was pleasantly passing my guard then very easily. <laughs> but he, did, we, he, he was very good with people because he was, he was a guy that it was, uh, he's been in a year. He's a, he's a kickboxing champion. So he's quite, his rolling is 100% on nothing. He doesn't try, you know, he's not trying to like rip it on, he would hurt you. But he tried to get me an arm bar, I'm fairly strong. So I just kept my hands together. And this black belt come over, no, no, you're a, you're a different arm There's a bit of space for there. And it was, it, was like a diff, it was like a different move altogether. Still an arm bar, but we caught it and moved my arm away. It was like, like I mean, I can't stop it. can't do anything. Because mm-hmm. he, I can't even describe it. Because it, it was a lot of space between me and him. It was, it was either I succumb to the arm bar or my shoulder's going to come out. It's like, which one do you want? Do you want to shoulder out or elbow out? Or do you want your fucking... Or do you want your elbow out another way? Which way do you want it? I was stuck. I was like, oh, fuck it. What, what do you call it? Oh, I can't remember what it's called. It, it is a particular... He did call it something, but I can't remember what it's called now. But it was... Uh, it was very good. He was very polite. It, it, what interests me is that it shows you how a, a smaller not so strong man can obviously use the the leverages and just position to like such a big advantage like it's all well and good being bigger and stronger and obviously all things being equal the bigger stronger person would you know would have an advantage being you know all things being equal but without it does show kind of i guess um like a smaller tento man use you know with more skill ability like um intellect in terms of positioning and future moves can utilise le- leverages and just get so much more out of it. It's incredible. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Especially in the constr- in the constraints of jujitsu as well, because it's, it's all it's all on the floor. And if you don't know what to do, that's that's it. And he's he's obviously thinking four, five, six moves ahead. And what I'm thinking, well, I'm just think I'm just trying to not to get strangled. But it's. And you, you should, like I, I spoke to a boy in work, he said, oh, what, what's it like then? I said, well, it's not like a lot of martial arts where you don't do live sparring. It's live sparring, it's proper sparring, you're proper going for it, you're trying to win. 
but I said, when you're a white belt, there's there is no chance of beating the purple. Not a chance. There's not even you can't even I doubt you could even fluke it. No. And he's like, oh, nah, I can't be like I said, no. If if someone you no know, my dap or even well, a couple of stone like that me rolled me, destroyed me every time. It's not even it's not even a question of it. It's not like but I say boxing. Like I'd probably often knock my toast out of my however. Someone with half a, a little bit of skill boxing might have a puncher chance and might fluke you. But there's no chance of that in BJJ, is it? Because there's just going up. Nah. They put you in places so you think, I'll go with my hand from you, and they just, you just put you just put you in a different move, which is worse than the last one. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Um, I'll, I'll move on from BJJ just because I do get the impression that uh, we talk about it a lot. So, but my uh, my restarts this week just for before I do move on. So looking forward to that. Should be first class tomorrow. So okay. yes, um, tomorrow Monday. Tomorrow Monday. Yes. So it'll yeah. be today by the time obviously this is out because this will be out tomorrow. So uh, so yeah, be, I'll, I'll let you know how I get on. Pajama um, or the normal Uh, gi. Yeah. So um, well, I, I, it's it's a gi course, uh, and I'm supposed to have a gi waiting for me. But we'll see if there's one there tomorrow when I turn up. But I I. I do you wear, wear, what do you wear? What have you been wearing underneath of interest? Uh, to be honest, I've only done one key class, and that was I wore a t shirt. Every other class I've done, including the privates, have been no gi. Oh, okay, yeah. Do you wear like rash guards or like Under Armour stuff? Yeah, rash, rash guards. So literally, I'm, I'm awful. The only thing I know in the gi is uh, Anaconda Choke. That's it. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, cool. Well, this is supposed to be a gi course, so it'd be interesting to see how that goes. And uh, I think once I've part, once I've finished that path, that once I've finished that course, uh, I can then kind of the the guy that runs the gym does it does wrestling, grappling, um, no gi, some other stuff. So I might just see what what fits my schedule and what I can kind of get involved in to have a look at the different things, different skills. It's good because because no gi seems to have no rules of what you can do. In terms of takedown, she you find a lot of judo and a lot of wrestling involved in now, whereas before, just the key you had none of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought today, mate, we would talk about the study I actually referred to this week uh, around. Uh, I tell you what, let's 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 give you the name: energy compensation, uh, com- energy compensation adiposity in humans. Uh, by well, first author is Vincent Caro. Um, I think a lot of people uh, will more or, or will know Herman Ponzer as one of the um, contributors. I think he's third in the list. So uh, for people that don't know, generally the, the the biggest contributor of the study in terms of researchers will be at the top and a bit like ingredients on your food list. So, um, but I think he's probably the most well known out of those individuals. Certainly the most well known that I know. Anyway, um, I thought it's an interesting study because obviously it came out this week, and it's another one of these studies come off the back of this data that we talked about. Uh, last week, when did we talk about the uh, yeah the the doubly labelled water data? Um, was it last week? Can't remember now. But obviously, th- this massive pool of data that they've now created this database, I think we're probably going to start to see a number of studies come off the back of that. Now the data is available for people to go through and review, and obviously come up with some findings of sorts or some useful um some useful science the science that people can obviously go ahead and try to implement in into things into practical everyday stuff and, and obviously help us coaches and practitioners uh, serve our clients and this was an interesting one because i guess this is 
Um, I don't know if it's a question you often get or not, or or whether it's a premise that is just often spoken about. So, and what I mean by that is this idea that obviously does doing exercise help with weight loss. I guess like this is almost like what this paper is trying to answer in terms of um, is exercise a good thing for weight loss and the reason why it might not potentially be and I guess that's what we'll discuss is this idea of what the term used in the start of the paper energy compensation I think we've spoken about it before around um, like cardio type of of exercises especially um, have been known to have an almost an adaptive effect in that you kind of adapt to cardio so that you know you throw in a thousand calories of of cardio and expect to lose you know roughly a third or just under a third of a a pound of fat extra per week um from that thousand pounds calorie you know deficit that you've almost kind of thrown in obviously and if you could measure it that accurately then i guess that would be the case you you know it's, it's obviously difficult to measure actual energy uh expenditure in exercise accurately when you're just an everyday gym goer but if it was all, if it was accurate, and then yeah, you know, we know that roughly a, a pound of fat is three and a half thousand calories ish. So if you throw in a thousand calories extra cardio, you'd expect to kind of see an extra pound of fat loss over three and a bit weeks, three and a half weeks. Make sense? Sounds good in theory. Yes. Now, what you try, tend to see in reality, though, is that that doesn't work out. And one of the reasons is because, obviously, again, it's quite difficult to measure. Like, also energy balance itself is quite dynamic so you kind of affect one end and you affect another so example you throw in cardio do people end up eating more to make up the fact that they're just more hungry the research on that itself is quite mixed to be honest anyway so um individually i guess people will be very different some people might eat less because i think there is some evidence on some people that cardio has a almost an appetite blunting effect for some people opposite than others in that they get more hungry all the time um so i don't think there's and I'm, I won't say I'm massively well researched in that area, but I don't think there's a consensus as to basically cardio either does or doesn't increase appetite. That's not what this paper's about. This paper's more around basically do we adapt to cardio in the same way as perhaps we adapt to dieting? So obviously we all know about metabolic adaptation. We know we kind of, you know, idea of starvation mode, which is a thing. You know, we talked about starvation mode not being a thing, but I guess if you think about the actual context of what people mean by it, usually it's a case of um i suppose it's not a thing if you think basically you're not losing weight in a calorie deficit that that isn't a thing like you will lose weight if you're on a calorie deficit what does happen though when you diet for long periods of time um and you see a reduction in body mass you do see a slowdown in certain processes to for your body to save energy expenditure to stop yourself dying basically it doesn't want you to lose loads of weight so your body does adapt and tries to um effectively slow down weight loss that is a thing and i guess you could call that is the sort of thing that a lot of people would refer to as starvation mode but it's just not as drastic as what people suggest it will be the idea of this paper was to look at does that kind of happen also with cardio so less less of it adapting as such but more i guess this idea of energy compensation so i don't know if we really I'm, I've kind of skimmed through the paper. I have read it, but I've skimmed through it quite quickly. I didn't look at it in lots of detail. And I don't think there was any real hypothesis around kind of what it is other than just um, it kind of coincides a little bit with Ponce's other work around the constrained energy model. You know, we talked about the Hadza tribe and the, the work they did with those in measuring their energy output and realizing that they don't really um, expend much 
extra additional calories than your average westerner like two and a half thousand calories you know roughly say um which is would would kind of be counterintuitive if you thought about what they do as in being hunter gatherers and they're constantly on their feet the entire time walking around chasing caribou or whatever you know insert wild exotic animal um yeah so you you would expect them to kind of have a really high energy output based on that but actually they really don't Uh, obviously the idea or the hypothesis there is that energy expenditure is a constrained model in that it'll only go so far before other things adapt to reduce to basically keep the total energy expenditure within a certain range and i guess that's kind of this what this aligns to a certain so i mean maybe just go through some of the highlights here um so Energy compensation in humans was analysed, or was, were analysed, or was analysed from daily and basal energy expenditure. Uh, and they did show reduced uh, energy expenditure with a compensation of 28%. So I guess like in rough terms, what they're saying is that on average, the people in this, this data set uh, showed a reduced energy compensation from the, you know, from like exercise activity, 28%. So if they did like 100, 100 calories, 28% of those calories were reduced elsewhere in their, their energy expenditure somehow. That makes sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So it kind of like shows you that, uh, I suppose one thing this does poo-poo on is that a lot of people say, oh, exercise is crap for weight loss. You shouldn't be doing it. You should be talking about diet all the time. And yes, I guess the kind of bulk of the evidence does support that general concept, but it's a lot more complicated than that. In that you can't say doing cardio isn't useful for weight loss because it does you know even there it shows you it's not 100 percent energy compensation like you don't lose all of the cardio you put in like it's 28 percent on average so that seems like a positive thing to me right for weight loss yeah and especially if let's say what you're talking about earlier is you know some people do a thousand calories cardio and do they add in food on the back end somewhere but if someone specifically is aware that that can happen and they they double down further of making sure they don't add in that calories and there's that to take into account as well. And like I would imagine, like you said earlier, if it's the average person was trying to lose weight, they changed diet the way they started doing cardio, they may not realise that they are compensating on the back end. When someone who deliberately understands that it could happen is making sure they don't. So obviously still in this scenario they still again a what's that seventy two percent extra carry up energy up for the day and they yeah. if everything else is equal yeah uh, and i guess like it's worth noting again like one of the, the the key highlights that they noted in this paper was around the fact that it is very variable variable between people so the average 28 percent. but i guess there will be some people in that that didn't adapt or see any type of compensation at all and there were other people that obviously had a lot higher amounts of adaptation or compensation um i also think it's one of those things where and again this wasn't really mentioned in the paper but I think it's something that happens over time. Uh, or certainly that's how I've always thought about kind of adaptation and um, yeah, adaptation to, to kind of like cardio expenditure in that like, you, you know, you throw cardio in and it works for a bit and then all of a sudden you get a bit more efficient at running, a bit more efficient, you know, maybe the constrained energy model starts to apply a bit bit stronger and you start making these adaptations in, in other areas to reduce your total energy expenditure back within the range you expect. Um, and that's where you then start to see a slowdown perhaps for some people that are trying to lose weight because all of a sudden they're kind of what their perceived calorie deficit was at the start is getting smaller as they start to adapt over time and obviously you either have to then do more cardio and obviously try and increase that again or 
I guess you have to reduce food intake or, or consumption of way to kind of keep that calorie deficit. Otherwise, you kind of end up just doing this cardio and not seeing as much returns as you maybe expect in terms of like progression on weight loss. That's terrific, isn't it? It sounds terrific to think, oh, brilliant. I've, oh, yeah, I don't like running, but I want to lose some weight, so I'm going to start doing some running. And then next thing you know, you're kind of like running to maintain where you are rather than even continue to lose weight because you've you've adapted. That is a, that is a horrific thought for that to be you know true or to be the case. And obviously, that's a very simple blanket statement, which probably is a bit too simple and doesn't really apply in reality. But the idea is frightening, as you say. That's why you're going to do cardio and enjoy definitely definitely i think uh because obviously you're going to do it anyway then because you enjoy it not because you just want to burn some calories but that's a very well a, a good point well made the bgg <laughs> you just always have to bring it round to combat sports don't you jonathan yeah but i i, I thought this paper was, was a good one in that it does least like while it recognizes and acknowledges that there is some level of adaptation it does at least dispel that myth that exercise is well in my opinion it does anyway dispel the myth that it's fucking useless because I guess there are a lot of people say it's useless just focus on your diet and I think kind of shows you really that the most successful interventions are one that both control energy expenditure as in exercise but also energy intake as in nutrition you know surely someone's saying oh you know cardio then doesn't do anything it's a bit stupid isn't it I mean, if you're if two people exactly the same, one's on they both on two thousand calories, and then someone does you know a mixture of cardio and two hours a day, clearly the other guys burn more calories than they. You know I mean, so I don't see any other guys enjoying two hours of cardio, but still, even if they, even if even if he daps fifty percent, it's reasoning effectively down to an hour of cardio. It's still you know a few hundred calories more depending on the modality than the other guy. Mm. Yeah, no, no, agree. I mean, I guess no one, or I, I wouldn't ever believe that the, this constrained model idea would be so severe that it wipes it out completely. No. Um, Plus, you're getting fitter, heart's getting healthier. Probably going to get a, a a reduced rest in heart rate. Good for blood pressure. You might meet new people. Possibly enjoyable, depending on what you're doing. So it's not. I think. It's normally it normally comes in the body when it's It's just a tiny little box that they want to fit into. Yeah, cardio shit. Just focus on uh, this. It's like, well, you know, to your mind if you think, you know, doing no card, doing cardio is zero benefit whatsoever. Of course, the weight lifting does the weight lifting. Diet does the heavy lifting, but adding a bit of cardio on top is not is not a negative. Yeah, I th- well, I absolutely agree. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I think um, the the good news is, I guess, like it doesn't seem to have been the case with weightlifting or resistance training in that there doesn't seem to be this adaptation of kind of energy expenditure, uh, which you know, for us, that weightlift is a very positive thing we like. Um, I also think it's perhaps maybe why those that have regular resistance training sessions tend to have, I suppose, better management of their their weight that might be an extreme or, or a bit of a, a sweeping statement i don't know but i think it tends to have like a, a bit more stable kind of management of it and i guess that's because you don't see these adaptations perhaps um you're also getting the benefit of obviously hypertrophy or kind of increasing muscle mass and stuff as well uh, which obviously over the longer term albeit 
exaggerated to what a lot of people might think it does still improve kind of energy expenditure having more muscle mass more lean body mass um even if it's not the thousands of calories people think it is you know there's still more more uh energy expenditure the more muscle mass you or more mass you have as well so that's obviously something to consider um when you're kind of weighing up in terms of like what type of exercise you want to do um I mean, not that I'm trying to discourage anyone doing any cardio. The benefits you've just explained around kind of doing any type of energy, uh, sorry, any type of exercise is is obviously way more over and above the simplicity of energy balance and weight loss. And it should be over and above that. In fact, the value you place on that should be so much lower than the things that you mentioned around like social time, uh, enjoyment, and all of these things, like meeting new people, stuff like that. Exactly, especially, especially when we do a sport, isn't it? Like play football or something. Or rugby, as it's not just about burning loads of calories, it's about enjoying the game, teammates, people you meet after the game, and all that sort of stuff. You know, it's good as well as burning shit load of calories. I mean, we get punched in the face with rugby. I imagine there must be some type of recovery cost of energy. I don't know. You get punched in the face and have to, you know, recover a lot of tissue. Because you've basically broken your nose and eye and eye sockets and stuff, I imagine there must be some form of energy cost there. Maybe you've got to walk the hospital. There's extra steps in a day. Well, perhaps you'd be in an ambulance though. After someone called nine nine nine. Perhaps depends on the severity of the injury. It does. It does. Um, I've had nine 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 called in any sport I've ever done. I'm not. Been to the hospital many times. Never nine nine nine. No, I've never had to be. I, I personally have never had to be in an ambulance. Although I've been involved in games where people have, aka things like a couple of. I know at least two football games I can remember where I suffered people have suffered broken legs and obviously had to call the game off and have an ambulance come take them away. Um, I obviously went when I ruptured my ACL, but that was more just by my own methods and means. Didn't have to get a, an ambulance because obviously I could I've still been, get in a car. But been in an ambulance, but that, that was not my choice. That was between one hospital and another. I did skid on my shoulder the second time. They couldn't put it back in. For, I don't know, whatever reason. So I, had to, I said, I'd just, I'll just drive up, whatever. I said, no, you can't drive up. You're full of gas in there. No, you can't. You'll crash the car. All right, fair enough. She had to get an ambulance in, up. To the special, special guys, put it in a special way. So that's the only time I've been in an ambulance for myself. Mm. I felt I didn't like it really. It's like this is a waste of an ambulance really for me. The bus builder. Hmm. Expensive to run, aren't they? And it could be a baby hanging up to someone needing help. Well, uh I, I had a friend and again off topic, but I had a friend who was a volunteer paramedic driver. Um and he would probably say he would do eight or nine calls a day, call outs a day type thing. He would say seven or eight of them, basically all of them bar probably one or two were things he would say people shouldn't be calling ambulances for and that they should be going out and they're getting a taxi or a bus or driving or whatever they could probably make themselves they're all going to their gp rather than to to any but 80 um, yeah well you know you think about seven or eight and that's six out of seven or eight out of nine type thing so you're talking 70 80 90 percent of calls which is is disgusting seeing how much money they obviously kind of cost to run the nhs and stuff but there we go like i said off topic um, another interesting part of this study which they said they noted was that uh, the energy compensation didn't really seem to be any different and I, I, basically I think they coined it a general phenomenon 
um, which I quite like that phrase. It's a general phenomenon that applies equally to both men and women, young and old. So it doesn't seem to matter, uh, or it it seems to apply to everyone. So it doesn't matter if you are kind of younger, older, or a male or a female, or anything in between. Um, That this kind of this same idea will apply. I wonder if if they, I can imagine if you started a diet at twenty percent body fat and they say. Uh, you had the reduction in energy consumption of 28%, compensation of 28%. Would that go up the lean you got? Oh, yeah, I can't remember reading anything around kind of body composition and kind of effect on lean, or effect something like lean body mass might have. I think. So like if, 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 you know, if, the, you know, if you're carrying a lot of excess fat, then the body has no real reason to compensate that much because you think, you know, because you are too fat. But if you're a little bit overweight and you go into a weight that your body doesn't like, then is it going to compensate further? Um, yeah, I, I mean, in theory. So I guess like the hypothesis of why this is a thing is a bit like we said around the constrained energy model, survival, kind of this idea of um, in a world where famine was a real issue and that you know kind of finding subsistence or was it was basically a, a, a win or lose, a win or die type scenario. Um, I guess like the idea that your body would adapt to high energy outputs from activity to basically keep you alive while you found food is obviously something that just backfires in modern age where we have this idea of a, a really, really abundant food environment. So um, I guess it kind of makes sense that our genes and our genetics would still would adapt more for someone who's leaner, as in like, you know, if you're leaner and trying to lose fat-free mass no fat mass sorry if you're leaning and trying to lose fat mass that your body would be more protective of you losing fat mass therefore adapt more because you have less to lose than someone who's heavier um albeit like i said i'm trying to just quickly scan and i can't i can't you'd imagine it is something they they went through actually and it was quite a long study and like i said i only skimmed through it so i can't really remember um so unless you want to try and waffle on about something or tell me your thoughts while I try and have a look. I would say, based on everything that happens, that your body adapts to your leaner, I would imagine that this compensation would probably increase as time went on, as you, as you lost more body fat. And if... Let's say you're doing a whatever, and I were on the treadmill at a particular speed, then, and your body's going to get used to that. It's going to get more efficient at doing that as well, isn't it? So, possibly over time, with you becoming more efficient and losing body fat, I reckon that that compensation would increase, especially if you get really, really lean because your body does not want to be down there your body does not want to be single digits at all it's probably going to do its best to stop you losing anymore which I would imagine would increase that compensation far and above 28% but then that's a lot of assuming I mean if they haven't studied it who knows but I would imagine that would be the case yeah no I think they have Uh, I'm just trying to find what the outcome was but they've obviously they've tried to uh, run regression models on all the different variables um, or on the entire data set uh, 
trying to control different variables. Um, but I can't find what the outcome was at the moment because it's a big paper. There's a lot gone into it. So, which to be fair, I'd probably expect given guess the profile I get this data as well and the stuff they're going to be able to come out of it because obviously it's the largest data set on this kind of energy um, measurements that obviously has ever been because normally you'd get a study of like 30 people doing you know double level water tests or less and obviously now they've got something like I don't know what it is but it's tens of thousands of data now um, so yeah it's a lot it's a lot it is a lot yeah um, but no, can't uh, I can't see any interaction or, or what the ch the the outcomes were on fat-free mass and fat mass. But uh, I'm going to guess that and say my hypo or, or I'm going to say my hypothesis is very much that like the heavier you are, the more adaptation you might see. But I could be well off that because I might not have thought of some mechanisms or anything that that might be specific to having like more fat mass or, or less fat mass or more lean body mass and less lean body mass. But I mean, you think about it in terms of like risk of muscle being used as energy is certainly a lot higher when you're leaner compared to being more overweight. Basically, we don't worry too much, do we, about people losing body mass, uh, sorry, losing lean body mass when they are heavier, as in fatter. So you would kind of think that perhaps the same principle applies, but I don't know. Can we guess that? Hmm. So and they say about assumptions. They do. I do know what they say about assumptions or assume. Let me get an ass out of you and me. That's true. That is what they say about uh, assuming, don't they? Or assume or assumption. Don't assume anything. Um, any other take homes, do you think? Like anything else that you think that you've learned from it or kind of it's made you think about things? Yeah, I don't think 20% is that bad on average. No, I, I, I don't. I, I mean, certainly it leaves still large, a, a rather large net effect, in theory. Yeah. Like for me tomorrow, so I've stepped up my diet a little bit. Nothing extreme. But tomorrow, i got legs, kickboxing, 10,000 steps, and possibly BJJ gain in the night. Like to me, that's a lot of... Cards. Like I wouldn't. I, I don't. I wouldn't guess how many cards is burning. But for me, even if I was fifty, even if I compensated by fifty percent, I would still be in a better place doing that than just dieting by itself. You know, without. I mean, kickboxing is an hour. BJJ is an hour. Legs is a tough hour and hour and ten. So I mean, it's three hours of activity. I mean, even if it ends up being all right, you burn calories for an hour. Still. I mean, an extra foot, whatever it is, 400 calorie, whatever. Still better than nothing. Yeah. I mean, okay, what's the worst that can happen? Oh, I lose weight a bit too quick. And then I either carry on until I think I can't sustain that anymore and i got to change something. Or you've got a bit of wiggle room for when you need to go, go outdoors so when unexpected happens. So 20% to me is not that much. I know it's a bit about, about it also depends how big you are as well. If you're a small woman who's looking to lose weight, I mean, 30% is probably quite significant, isn't it? Because you're quite small. You don't burn many calories anyway. Yeah. For me, it, 
on that, on that, I was going to say, I mean, it is significant, but then it's, there's an element of relativity to it, and I think that only comes into play really when I, I think like a, a real world problem where this might arise is when like people are eating back calories they see on their things like activity trackers or My Fitness Pal if they're like logging calories and then you know they see the exercise calories come up like oh I get to eat that back. I think it kind of shows you really like how not dangerous it is, but how I guess mis- misaligned that is in that. If your watch says you burnt four, five, six hundred calories in an exercise session, and then you think, "Oh, okay, well, you know, I'm trying to lose weight, and you know, I'm doing this exercise, and I get, I can, you know, because on days where I've done exercise, I get to eat more than other days, I'll eat back those six hundred calories." Which is obviously something we often hear, or we you often get asked by clients, "Should I, you know, should I consume more on days where I'm doing exercise because this is saying I'm burning this amount of extra calories and stuff?" Um, that kind of shows you that actually you could unwillingly put. Uh, unwillingly and unknowingly put yourself in a calorie surplus because where you might eat back 600 calories because that's what you think you've burned in that session the reality might be it only increases your total energy expenditure by 400 or less potentially if you're like a high adapter yeah so i'm trying to put in there um how many calories my fitness power would think i would have done doing what i plan to do tomorrow and to see, because this is the issue in it. People like for people who understand, right? If I'm burning X amount of calories, it's probably not accurate anyway. If you've got a watch on or whatever, I'm not going to eat back anything else. But uh, the problem is, you you made an assumption there that most people would be sensible enough or critical thinking enough to think that, but actually, I don't think most people do. No, they don't. So a lot a lot of people, especially when who are new to you know trying to get healthier and lose a bit of weight they would think oh my watch says whatever whatever it says then go oh, i can eat that yeah but I, I think on that as well i think because gen pop people are one more likely to overestimate their energy expenditure in what they're you know they're over they're more likely to overestimate the amount of calories they've burnt in a training session even without a watch but with their watch as well bear in mind that they are reasonably inaccurate and obviously they don't account for things like net effect of being alive anyway they don't account for the adaptation that we now talked about that seen in this study yeah. um they're also really shit at estimating their energy intake from food so they'll underestimate the amount that they eat and i guess that's the problem with a lot of people where they find themselves in this 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 paradigm or, or paradox paradigm paradigm let's say paradigm i think it's the right word um this paradigm of um just not being able to lose weight because they struggle to realize that they are over and under estimating certain aspects of this this dynamic formula almost energy balance and it just causes them this this kind of this issue or this trouble of spinning their wheels constantly obviously that can be mentally exhausting and drained on people and and obviously that can cause people to feel really upset about what i'm doing all the right things i think i'm kind of you know doing doing this that and that and i can't see the success i want to see for that, I think that was in, in most people, hundred hmm. percent. So, right, if I plug in what I plan to do tomorrow, in terms of times, my fitness pal, and you can see why people, especially if someone's gone from, because do a lot of people go from zero to under one hour, don't they? And it's not sustainable, and they end up failing because they've gone rather than going zero, to, you know, to walk, to crawl, to walk, to jog, to run, they've gone, you know, on their back to sprinting. So it it tells me that I would have done with ten thousand steps two thousand calories of exercise. So it's telling me 
my goal currently is to be around 2,200. It's telling me I can eat a further 2,000. Double your energy intake. Double. So people go, oh, I can eat 2,000 calories. I mean, if you eat the next 2,000 calories on top of your 2,000, you, you should revalue what you're doing in the first place. But it's, you can, it's easy to see why people can't lose weight. Because mm. that 2,100 is probably too much anyway. It's probably over-exaggerated. Because mm-hmm. I put in an hour of kickboxing, but obviously as you spar, three-minute round, you're a minute off. So you're, not, you're not fully doing it for 60 minutes. Here. Well, you mean, in reality, you might be doing 20 minutes? Yeah, in reality, yeah. That's what, if I do put things in, I always put in like what I think I've actually done, not what the time was in total. But I also think, it's like, well, if I was actually burning 2,000 calories extra, which I doubt it, I'm still, I'm, I'm only losing potentially maybe 500 potentially compensation so it still means I would burn in about 1500 extra in that scenario I'm not saying that's accurate it's probably not accurate at all but even if I was half I mean and I would have been DJing I would have kickboxed and I would have done training I would say it's got to be a thousand calories it's the thing on your example there as well, if it is, if the the hypothesis of the constrained energy model is accurate or valid, it would make sense that the bigger the, or the the larger the amount of energy expenditure through exercise, the more adaptation you get. Yeah. So obviously you might see less because there's, there's you know the 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 principle the hypothesis of it being for survival and just basically limiting energy output because or energy expenditure I should say because of uh, it wants you to survive. The more you do of energy expenditure, the more it's going to adapt because the more it wants you to survive almost. Yeah. So it makes more sense that if you did 500 calories, it'll adapt less. If you did 1,000 calories, it'll adapt a bit more. And if you did like 2,000 calories, it'd be even more to a point where, because the idea is there's almost like a, a cap on it. So you can't go over that cap. So if you try and you know expend 2,000 over that cap, it's going to not allow you to go 2,000 yeah. over that cap. So does that make sense? Yeah. Someone's going to happen somewhere because you can't just you know limitlessly do cardio all day you and something not adapt somewhere online and that adaption might be fucking injury well yeah use yeah. an adaption if you use a fuck knee yeah that's that, fuck knee that will probably limit your energy expenditure yeah um so, so i i changed all that so i did it rather than an hour each i said oh effectively maybe you're doing 20 minutes of each probably more than that but still that's an extra 1100 which i think probably not far off mm. it was that might lose so I'm still burning an extra s- you know, 700 additional so my deficit 700 calories bigger you know mm-hmm. I it's think better. I think the, the take home from the discussion in this paper is very much a case of energy expenditure is increased with exercise so like that kind of as i say dismisses that idea that energy or exercise is shit for trying to lose weight because actually it definitely does count obviously there is a level of adaptation i guess and that's the the other point around making sure that you're not just eating back the calories that you think you've expended through exercise because it's unlikely to be very accurate i think that's kind of why a lot of coaches or a lot of people that are kind of supporting people lose weight will look more at including their kind of you know their own estimations around what energy expenditure is 
um, an average it across a week to you know just take into account. You know, basically when we're working out someone's kind of calories that we might roughly put them on in terms of how much we expect them to, to eat over a week, we won't go right. Okay, well, you're already, I mean, unless there's a there's a you know a specific situation of like maybe someone with a specific performance plan and they've got specific training sessions to fuel, but most most not with general population, you're probably just saying uh, height. Well, it depends what what model or what formula you're going to use, but you could just say like I don't know. Let's take the Cunningham easiest one: lean body mass times whatever it whatever it is, um, like body weight times lean body mass. I can't remember what the equation is now, but it's the easiest one. Um, and then just work out what their you know rough BMR would be based on that formula, and then adapt with a physical um, activity factor of whatever sorts. And you would basically, as a coach, use kind of your knowledge and your experience with people to say right, based on their job. Their levels of activity, how much they walk, what exercise they're doing, I know that will probably roughly be around like a physical activity factor of around whatever 1.3, 1.5, 1.7, whatever you decided to do. You just usually experience that and then average out their calories across a week, wouldn't you? And okay, it's not like scientific or like um, surgically accurate to be like, right, you you know, we're working out that you're expending this at this time, this at this time, this at this time, this is what calories want to do, but. I think you probably get better and more accurate results doing it that way than you do trying to work out the really nuanced, really dynamic details of each thing. It just becomes too complicated to do otherwise. You're on mute. I said, don't think it's even needed no. to be that accurate for, uh, I mean, most people, 90% of people, especially general population. I mean, what's the point in doing them? METs. I mean, I mean metabolic point, equivalents yeah. for people that don't know what that is. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's probably the most accurate. But I remember doing the uh, what was it? One of the test papers in nutrition in a specific nutrition uh, course. What one of the case studies? Yeah. Yeah, I thought should I do it that way, and it ended up taking so long. Like, oh my god, this is like, is it really needed? And then again, but. As it, but in general population, life gets in a way as well. Oh, yeah, I've only managed to train X one this week. I mean, not a reevaluate this every week, you do that no. all. But no. then, it's just that I just do uh, females times 22, males times 20, body weight times 22, males body weight times 24, and then add an activity fight on top of that. It's never followed. No. And then, obviously, then the whole point is you observe, make adjustments based on that initial first estimate and you just adapt as you go don't you which is all you can really do because these are any basic formula based off some kind of older studies anyway which so a lot of people argued that i guess they they're a lot of need revamp or updated anyway because they're done on population groups that aren't really relevant in today's like i can't even remember how old they're but a lot of these are like 50 100 years old these formulas so um you could argue that a lot of changed in 1500 years and they're not as appropriate now but um what was I going to say? There's one other thing I was going to say. Oh yeah, and obviously the point around obviously needing to be accurate. That's that's what I was going to bring up. Especially especially when we can't even really be accurate around our energy intake to kind of align it. So it's not like it like why are we stressing ourselves worrying about trying to find out what our like accurate energy expenditure is when we can't even guarantee what we're intaking is accurate because obviously food labels can be wrong. Like you know the UK looks laws allow twenty percent deviance in actual nutrition information as in the content of their foods compared to what they put on labels. So straight away, you're like, well, I don't even know if that's right. A 500 meal could be 600 calories or 400 calories. So why am I stressing about whether I can match my energy balance by being so accurate with the amount of energy that I'm expending through cardio? This makes no sense, does it? 
I mean, I, I, you look at a treadmill, you know, you put your weight in, you think, yeah, there's no chance of burning this many calories. No, probably not. Probably. And the watches, they, 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 they always seem to overestimate what you're doing rather than underestimate. You probably, obviously, you're better off underestimating if you lose weight rather than overestimating. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I want to finish today's episode with the fact that Christmas goods are already out in the store. How amazing is that? Mm. I bought I bought a bag of Lebkuchen today. What? Lebkuchen. What's that? What's that? Do you not get that in Wales, mate? They are, um, uh, well, I, I want to say German, but some type of Bavarian, uh, like, very sugary, spicy biscuit. Or... How do you spell it? You are? How do you spell it? Uh, L-E-B, I think it's either L-E-B or some places spell it L-E-B-E. There's an E sometimes missing. This I don't know why it's got two different spellings, but and then K U C H E N, Lebkuchen. L E B K E. Let me go. L E B K U C. K N. I think. Lebkuchen. And then sometimes there's Leberkuchen because there's an E sometimes what? in it. You know what Kuchen means, Brett? Cake. I'm gonna guess. Exactly right. Yeah. I don't want leb means or labour spiced. Oh, okay. I don't know, but um, they're 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 like, I'm I'm a, I'm an OG Lebkuchen consumer, and I remember my German teacher when I was doing GCSE German at school. So you can see how long ago that was. I mean, I know I'm only twenty six, so it isn't that long ago. But add on twelve. Um, actually, you're right. Add on twelve. Correct. Well done, Johnny. Um, but I remember him bringing them in in German class and. Remember, that was my first experience, and think these are amazing. And um, I never saw them again much as an adult until maybe ten years ago, maybe. And they started selling like the dark. They they do like spicy, sugary, ice coloured sort of ones, or they do more traditional ones. I think are more like almost like gingerbread, but not like not like as in like traditional gingerbread, not the crunchy biscuit kind. The more like cakey, ginger cake almost kind, covered in dark chocolate with like apricot jams and stuff in them. And they're delicious. I gotta say, Germans have got some very, very nice food. Yeah, you do love a good sausage, don't you? I do, but not a male sausage. Like you would imply in there. (laughs) I was not implying anything of the sort. How dare you, Jonathan? I just said you like a good bratwurst. Or a frankfurter. Currywurst is nice as well. Um, What else you got? You've got Brackertoffel, which is like I think that's basically fried potatoes. Uh, schnitzel is nice. Schnitzel. I do like a bit of schnitzel. Chicken and breadcrumb, right? Yeah. Um, what was the stuff you said? Fried potato? What was it called? Uh, I think it's Brackatoffel, I think it's called. Brackatoffel. There's something that I've had at many Christmas and market, which is like almost a potato in a cheesy sauce, almost with, like, I think, perhaps maybe even ham or something. It's served with bread. Yeah. I can't remember yeah, what the I'm name of it sure. is. I wouldn't say it's fried potato it's more like boiled like sliced potatoes in like I said some sort of cheesy sauce but I can't remember what it is but I've seen it many many uh, um, something with F I want to say something like it's not a Florentine because obviously that's a biscuit or a cake um, but something like flatiet flatet flatet listeners hit me up German with bacon it's brackatofflin so I was right hmm. I just pronounced it wrong Okay, uh, I need to find. I flew here once in a restaurant over there because it's all in German. Like a lot of them over there where we go in Germany, there's German and English. 
I just decided to pick one of me mainly what it was. And then, have you ever had like a bread and butter? It's, it's called, it's basically German pancakes. But it's not what you think. It's not what pancakes normally are. And it is awesome. It's served with applesauce. It's amazing. And it's the other main meal. And it's outstanding. Oh, okay. Um, German pancakes. I've just Googled Christmas market foods. You must know. Um... Yes, I've had these before. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it though, but it's P O F F E R T J E S. Like it's Dutch, like poffets, poffets. Don't know something like that, but they're like little pancakes with often I think like apple filling and stuff. But they were delicious. Mm. Um, Olibol, 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 O L I E B O L. That looks like some sort of donut with ice and sugar. Um, S- Oh, uh, Rybakuchen. Never had that, but uh, looks like some sort of. Well, looks like chicken and cheese, unless that's the olive bowl stuff. Uh, it's, it's, it's called. Well, I, I've not. Kai, oh, Kaiser. Kaiser Schmann. Torn cheese pine. something. No. Kaiser, oh no, it's chief, isn't it? Kaiser's like king, chief or something, actually. Yeah, sorry. I was thinking Kaiser. Kaiser Schmann, aka Torn or Scramble Pancakes, if they are of this world. I wish I could see a picture of them, Johnny. I'm not going to lie. Um, uh, where are they? Let me see. They're also called Dutch Babies. Dutch, Dutch Babies. Dutch Baby Pancake. Same thing, basically. Um,. Well, it'd be no good for our listeners, mate. Bear in mind, this is uh, obviously not on YouTube or anything, so they wouldn't even be able to see it. Just put it on YouTube. YouTube. What's really annoying is I can't find this stuff. I'm sure it's got something with F. Something with F. But um, yeah, it's like a, let's say, potatoes in a really nice, cheesy kind of sauce uh, with bits of ham and sofa bread. But um, when I find out, I will, I will let people know what it is. But if you know beforehand, then please let me know. But speaking of German, I gotta get on the Paul Noble, Paul Noble audio book to learn it. Good, lovely. Right, I uh, I would like to sign off right now, Jonathan. To keep the listeners waiting. I hope they enjoyed the conversation. Uh, go do your exercise and um, eat some German brutzel doodle sausage. sausage stuff. Actual sausage, not penis. Okay. Right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the NNN podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please help us by rating on your podcast provider, sharing with your networks so we can get our content out to more people. See you next week.